Hi, Insiders. Welcome back to a new episode of Disney Movie Insiders Presents. You may have felt something magical in the air, and that's because it's World Princess Week. The ultimate princess celebration is here, and it's a once-in-a-lifetime global extravaganza that celebrates our beloved heroes. Join us as we talk about their courage and kindness that inspires us all. As you can probably guess, I was a little girl who wanted to be a Disney princess. Each movie played over and over and over on my VHS player. From singing songs to rocking my lunchbox at school, I could not get enough. In the midst of my adolescent fandom, I did not realize these magical worlds in far off places were bringing my hopes and dreams to life. I was the kid who wanted adventure in the great wide somewhere. I yearned to see a whole new world, a dazzling place I never knew, to go under the sea and to paint with all the colors of the wind. Each princess's story embraced courage and kindness and defiantly said no to fears and obstacles. They each showed me that I had the power to impact my world and to always be true to who I am. And it's important to mention that as much nostalgia as I have for the past, there are many more stories to be told. I can't wait to discover and learn more from these new voices and go on the journey with you insiders. One thing we know for sure, let's continue to carry forth courage and kindness, the essence of the princess. Our guest today is Disney royalty. In 1994, she originated the role of Belle in Beauty and the Beast on Broadway, and soon she will be touring a Disney princess, the concert. Let's welcome and say aloud bonjour to our guest, Susan Egan. Susan, welcome. Bonjour, Lisa. It's so good to be here. Okay, we are already winning at life with you opening with a bonjour to us, so thank you for that. <laughs> so today we're talking about all things princess and our favorite empowering heroines. Before we dive in, though, could you start by telling us a little bit about beginning your career and how it led you to starring on Broadway? So I grew up loving theater, loving Disney, um, never really thinking that it was an option, that this is something you could do for a living. I got started, mm -hmm. I think, the way a lot of kids do with school productions. Uh, and it kind of grew into doing community theater. And then in college, I pursued musical theater and ultimately moved to New York City and just was one of those girls who went to a million auditions. And boy, I got lucky. Oh. <laughs> Dreams came true, it sounds like. So, oh my gosh, one of my all-time favorite princesses is the one I'm about to ask you about. You originated the role of Belle in the Broadway production of Disney's Beauty and the Beast, a tale as old as time. What was it like getting the call that you, the role was yours? I mean, you just talked about it. You went on audition after audition after audition. What was that feeling like when you got that call? So the final callback for Beauty and the Beast was this kind of insane three days in a row, like all day long. The first day I was working with the musical director, the director, the choreographer. The second day I had to sing for Alan Menken and <laughs> I've never been so nervous in my whole life. Um, my favorite musical of all time is Little Shop of Horrors, which of course he wrote with Howard Ashman. So to be in Amazing. a room with him, I remember walking into the room and seeing him behind the table, and I remember exiting the room. I have no idea what happened for the three and a half minutes that I was in there. No recollection <laughs> at all of, of doing anything. Anyway, then uh, somehow I made it to the third day. And that last day was um, reading with a bunch of different actors in different roles. Um, there were like 30 different Disney executives there. It was, I, I arrived at 10 a.m. and I was there till 5 p.m. And it was sort of that adrenaline all day long, just depleted energy. And I just went home and, and conked out and I got a call 
around 8.30 that night from my agent saying I got it and we screamed. I lived up in Harlem. I didn't know what to do with myself. This is back in, you know, 1993. And so I, I, I took my dog for a walk. We went to um, Blockbuster Video because that still existed. And yes. I rented the East and I watched it. And, um, oh. and then the director and the choreographer called me around 9.30 and it was just, I mean, from that moment on, it was, it was, everything about it was a dream come true. The creative team, the, the cast, the experience, um, it was mm. wild. And if you had told me as a little person that that would happen, heck, if you had told me six months prior to it happening that it was going to happen, I never would have believed you. Oh, so absolutely inspiring. Wow. What a journey just even that moment in your life was. But wow. Oh, my goodness. So how long were you on Broadway for? So uh, in that show, I did the show uh, for about four months before Broadway, our tryout, and then a year on Broadway. And then they took seven or eight of us from the original cast to open it in Los Angeles, um, you know, so we could be in the backyard of of all the executives in Burbank. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so I did it for another year in Los Angeles. So about two and a half years total, like about 800 performances. I wore that blue dress. I remember, I can still, and it's been 25 years, I can still sort of look down and see every detail of that blue dress. And I thought to myself, you know, as my run was nearing an end, I thought, I've worn this blue dress more than I've worn my favorite pair of jeans. Like every every (laughs) single day, day in and day out for, you know, two and a half years, I wore that dress. (laughs) Oh, so cool though. Again, like right before you were really in it, into the role you watch the movie and then to hear later like 800 performances you can visualize that dress still what a dream come true so absolutely cool do you have any other favorite stories from the production well okay so the thing is lisa live theater is not like film where if something goes wrong you know you yell cut and everyone says Mm -hmm. back to one or in a recording studio with animation you get to do another take Um, live theater has just happened in real time. And I sort of say, it's like driving on a freeway, right? You miss your exit. You you can't make a U-turn and go back. You just have to get off at the next exit and somehow find your way back to the path. (laughs) And you do a show 800 times and things will go wrong. Um, And you kind of live for those moments. Not all of them are great. I did, I broke my arm on stage the first year. Um, I broke my foot the second year. So they just started calling me Calamity Bell. I I do things with abandon and without, with a lot of commitment, but maybe not a lot of um, intelligence. I just kind of, you know, I really ran after those wolves. You know, I mean, I, I really did. Um, And broke some bones. Um, there, There are moments that I lived for like, coming out for the first time in that yellow dress, you know, it's in a yellow spotlight, so it looks even more yellow. Everybody's kind of waiting for the yellow dress and and they staged it so beautifully and the orchestra is swelling with da-da-da-da-da-da, like it's just beautiful. And one day I came out in that yellow dress and a little girl, maybe like the 10th row, stood up in her seat and she was wearing her yellow dress from the Disney store. And she shouted loud enough for everybody to hear, she looks just like me. And I died, (laughs) the audience died, the Beast died, Lumiere and Cogsworth died, Chip and Mrs. Cogsworth. We literally stopped the play, the orchestra was laughing. And I just thought to myself like, this is what live theater is. Everybody in this room, there's 2,000 people in this room, and we are sharing the joy of this little girl who absolutely looked exactly like Belle and felt (laughs) 
courageous and powerful like Belle. And like mm. that's what we're there to celebrate. And you don't get that in any other genre of acting. So mm. I always loved those moments. I loved, you know, the castle would break down from time to time. The beast didn't transform a couple times. That was interesting. Mm. Like, you know, just great, great memories. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my goodness. I love how you said it though. You're like, I really got into chasing the wool or running away from the wolves. Yeah, yeah I do think it's true. abandoned and, uh, and, you know, definitely, you know, yes, the 1994 Tony Awards. In fact, um, if you look closely at that YouTube video, you'll see that I have a cast on my arm, but we had pre-taped some of the Beauty and the Beast performance. And then we did some of the performance live. So like it, they couldn't use the understudy because it had to be the same girl in the blue dress. And so they just kind of they they sewed a new blouse for me with long sleeves to cover up the the cast and you know oh I just, my gosh I'm an I'm an idiot <laughs> <laughs> you're all in though and you know what's funny is I think I actually just watched that too it was Anthony Hopkins who was the narrator yes like he said my name like I died I'm like oh my gosh Anthony Hopkins just said my name. Oh. I literally was watching that. And I was like, wow, what a dream. And then I saw you come out. And yeah, I will have to go back and give that a rewatch. But oh my gosh, all these amazing experiences in the midst of yeah being human, right? And having to work right. through all these different things. A true princess through and through. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So yes, you played, portrayed a princess, but also a goddess. Mm. What was it like being cast in Hercules and bringing Megara to life? Okay, so that was so much fun because in real life I'm I'm always cast as the good girl. Like I'm not I'm not that Meg sort of, you know, sexy, sassy girl in real <laughs> life. I'm I, I'm usually the heroine, the ingenue. So to get to be the seductress, to get to be sarcastic, to get the funny the punchlines instead of the setup to the joke, um, <laughs> was so exciting. It was so fun and also just in real life, I wish I could come up with the things that, you know, Meg just thinks of in the moment. I'm that girl who walks away from a situation and then comes up with a hundred things I should have said, but Meg just <laughs> says it right then and there, probably because, you know, John and Ron wrote an amazing script. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So it was really cool. It's also, the movie was written to be this screwball comedy from the 1940s, the characters like mm -hmm. um, Barbara Stanwyck and the Lady Eve, but also, you know, like Betty Davis and Lauren Bacall and Joan Crawford. And I am a nut for those movies. So it was fun to kind of perform with that sing-song cadence of, you know, Megara, my friends call me Meg, at least they would if I had any friends. So they give you a name along with all those rippling pectorals. Like, it's just like Lauren Bacall, you need me, just whistle. You know how to whistle, don't you? you yeah. <laughs> you were like that in real life. Can you imagine just walking around going, so, you know, you want some tomatoes with that sandwich? I mean, you know. <laughs> I'm having too much of a good time right now with you. Oh my gosh. Okay, so so you were saying it though. Meg just says it like it is. What yeah. do you have a favorite like empowering quote that she said? Oh yeah, I'm I'm a big tough girl. I can tie my own sandals and everything. I'm a damsel. I'm in distress. I can handle it. Like she was so ahead of her time, and I mean, you know, she didn't need the big strong guy to come and save her. You know, she mm -hmm. she's definitely it was like you know. She was a little hashtag me too as well, which I think made her real. And, you know, she had a past and had struggles and and mm. had more of an arc like the beast where mm -hmm. she made terrible mistakes and had to redeem herself. And so I kind of loved that aspect. She also got such a kicky song and I got to sing mm -hmm. with such amazing women. Um, 
So I love it, you know, and they've they've written a stage version of it now where they've taken Meg even that next step where it's not just like, you know, I really don't need a guy. It's like, no, no, no. Not only do I not need a guy, here's this whole whole song about how I don't need a guy. And they've, they've really <laughs> added it. I mean, I think princess characters have become stronger and stronger as time goes mm. by. And I really love and support that, especially as a mom to two girls. Um, mm. And Meg, although she's not a princess, she, you know, she was one of those first girls. I think Jane and Tarzan was that way too, where mm. she, you know, she could handle it. Yeah. That is the perfect perfect segue to this next question so you were talking about it courage the ultimate princess celebration is highlighting one of those it's highlighting courage and kindness two of the core attributes that all of the disney princesses share and of course meg as our goddess how do courage and kindness play a role in your day-to-day life you mentioned your daughters it's really Mm -hmm. cool to hear that though about how some of these characters that you've portrayed in the past are coming into almost a new meaning, a new era for you. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? I think what I love about this campaign and pulling courage and kindness together is that I think in the past people have thought you could be one or the other, that they were mutually exclusive, and they're not. They are tied. It takes courage to be kind, to be Mm. kind in the face of somebody who is unkind to you. But the only way to break that cycle is to break the cycle. And it takes a lot of strength and a lot of courage to do that. Also, what does courage look like? I think, yes, it can be a warrior um, in the way that we imagine it, but also courage can be very quiet. It can be um, strength amid the fear. It's not the absence of fear. And I love that um, these Disney heroines are emulating that in so many different ways so that people of of all backgrounds can find their princess that they relate to the most and um and and see themselves in it and that a princess can be anybody i joke about mm. um you know if you if you look at uh, ratatouille uh, about being a cook you know a, a, <laughs> not everyone can be a great cook but a great cook can be anyone and i feel <laughs> like you know we aren't all born princesses um but everybody has it inside them. Everybody, mm-hmm. every last person. Um, I see it in the dads that bring their daughters to the concert that I'm doing. Do you know, everybody Love. has. It. And yeah, yeah. And especially as a mom, looking at courage and kindness, and trying to teach my girls um, the many forms that those things take on a day-to-day basis of just being kind to, you know, the grocery clerk who might have had a long day. And you have an mm. opportunity in your interaction to brighten that person's day for the moment that you're there. You leave every encounter either draining the energy from that person or infusing that person with energy. And you have a choice in every interaction which one you want to be. So magical and so moving, Susan. I can't begin to tell you just how, yeah, inspiring those words are. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm excited because you're going to get to share your words, your courage, and your kindness with more and more people. So talk to us about this. How have you been preparing for touring in Disney Princess the concert? So Disney Princess the concert is coming at the craziest, most wonderful time. I mean, <laughs> if you had asked me at my age, would I go back and relive my princess glory years, I, I would not have seen this coming. <laughs> at the same time, 
This show is really for such a wide, beautiful demographic. Families, of course, um, but also those college theater students, many of whom I teach in master classes all the time, and their energy is just contagious. Um, we've got our gay population who loves the princesses, all of our cosplayers who go to Comic-Cons in their amazing costumes. Uh, my favorite demographic is the moms in their 50s bringing their daughters in their late 20s who are reliving their VHS tape days, because that's me, <laughs> that's my generation. And, and the fact that these characters appeal to such a wide demographic and this concert is a moment when we all get to be in a room together loving on these princess characters and really just singing to the rafters this music that has become the music of a couple of generations now. And, and having the audience sing with us, by the way, this is very interactive. We want everybody to get involved. Um, and the fact that it's coming out of COVID, and I know mm. because this, this show has grown from another concert that I used to do um, called Broadway Princess Party, which we toured for four years. I know the joy that this show brings. And now that we've had this glow up and it includes orchestrations and, and animation and beautiful costumes and lighting and <laughs> special effects, um, it's just gonna reach more people and bring more magic at a time when we finally get to come together again and um, bring a little bit of light into a world that's been tough the last 18 months. My goodness, I'm signing up right now. I don't know about anybody else out there. <laughs> dress, dress up as your favorite character. We love when people come and cosplay. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, so having portrayed a few iconic Disney characters, we know you'll have some magical answers for this next segment. Will you be our guest and play the Insider Five with us? But of course. Here is the Insider Five with Susan Egan. First up, what is your earliest memory of being a Disney movie fan? Oh my goodness, Mary Poppins, um, which I'm not quite old enough to have been out, you know, to see it in the movie theaters, but when it came on TV, that uh, Julie Andrews, she's, she is an icon and I longed to be her. Great answer. You're invited to a Disney-themed costume party. Who or what do you dress as? Okay, so can it be a villain? I think Mother Gothel. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because <laughs> I played the princesses and then I got to play a sassy girl and it's just the next thing in line. But I, I definitely, I feel like I'd like to channel some villain vibes. <laughs> Such a great answer. And I love how you were just like right on it. You're like, villain? Yes, got it. <laughs> great answer. Sorry, maybe not what you were expecting. <laughs> That's what we want though. We love the realness. There we go. <laughs> You're gonna have fun with this one. Let's see how you do. It's Disney karaoke night. What song do you sing? And we're gonna put some parameters there. What song do you sing aside from anything from Beauty and the Beast or Hercules? Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> um, let me think. I mean, okay, I love Enchanted because Stephen Schwartz and Alan Menken were literally parodying themselves. So the idea of, like, I've always wanted to be a comedian, but like I say, I, I always end up playing the good girl. So the idea to get to sing something, you know, like happy working song about cleaning up with the cockroaches, I think that's, that's maybe where I would go. A little tongue in cheek, a little making fun of the princess thing, but with a lot of sincerity. I mean, every true princess, right? <laughs> a lot of sincerity in there. <laughs> If you could only ride one ride all day at a Disney park, which would it be? 
okay, it used to be it used to be um, Space Mountain, and that was my go-to always. But I have recently been to Walt Disney World and went on Avatar. Oh. It is beyond, beyond, beyond. <laughs> I could have done it all day long, and I still think about it. And it's been months, so there it is. That is a great choice. Last question: Which Disney character has the best life advice, and what is it? The best life advice and what mama Odie totally yeah because sometimes what you want is not what you need mm. I'm such a mom Lisa oh my gosh I feel like I have turned into my mother but I talk about that all the time with my kids they're like mama Odie they love mama Odie too uh Tiana's their favorite princess and so we watch Aww. that movie a lot but I do love the idea that Sometimes we are not the best judge of what should happen next, of, of mm. what would be best for us. And we talk a lot about things that we want, but I, it is not always the right thing. And so when those things come, don't come to fruition, sometimes you're dodging a bullet and sometimes it's okay to let it go. Oh, see what I did there? And take a look at what is being presented in front of you because maybe, just maybe, it's what you need. Susan Egan, couldn't have said it any better. Absolutely inspiring, moving, even there with the final answer, just an intersection of two different princess movies. I can't even, I can't even handle it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today to talk about the ultimate princess celebration and for taking on the Insider Five. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Have fun, you guys. That's our show. Thank you for joining us. For more on Disney Princess the Concert, visit DisneyConcerts.com princess. So you don't miss any upcoming episodes, subscribe and follow Disney Movie Insiders Presents. And while you're there, we'd love if you gave us a rating and review. And lastly, visit DisneyMovieInsiders.com or our app and enter bonus code COURAGE. The code expires September 30th, 2021 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. Membership is required. Limit one redemption per account. Visit DisneyMovieInsiders.com for terms and conditions. We'll catch you next time, Insiders, with more Disney Movie Magic.